Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Tara here with another preview podcast. Today, we are getting to know the Chicago Bulls. The Trailblazers are going to see them twice this week. On Monday night, they will be wrapping up their six-game road trip in Chicago. Then again on Friday, after they are all full of turkey, the Bulls will be coming to the Moda Center. To get to know the Bulls, we have got Maggie Hendricks. She's co-host of the Julian Maggie Show on 670 The Score in Chicago. Thank you so much for joining me, Maggie. Thank you for having me. This should be fun. Well, could you start off by telling us a little bit about what the expectations were for the Bulls going into the season and where they are right now? Well, the funny thing is the expectations were set by the Bulls management, John Paxson and Gar Foreman, the Bulls VP of everything, and then the Bulls uh, general manager, both brought up the postseason word, both brought up the P word and said, you know, playoffs are, are, are what we expect and what we want. And that's where we are. And, and that's what we want to see out of this team this year. And then season started. And... Uh, they are, they don't remotely look like a playoff team. There's infighting. There's, uh, Jim Boylan, the Bulls head coach is making all kinds of inexplicable decisions. And after Monday's game, he kept talking about needing to develop players. And we were all like, hold up. You have been talking about nothing but how we're, this is the team. They're here. They're ready to go. And now you're developing them again. So uh, the Bulls are basically a mess. So it's a great time for Portland to meet them. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears. Uh, <laughs> you said there, there's there been some infighting and some inexplicable decisions. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So in Friday night's game, uh, Zach Levine is not a great defensive player. There's just really no way around it. And I don't really even know if Zach Levine cares that he's not a great defensive player. It's just it's just not his thing. Um, and early in the game, like I want to say about three minutes into the loss to Miami, uh, he was pulled from the game. He was and when he was Jim Boylan was asked about it after the game, he said that Zach made three egregious defensive errors. And while Jim Boylan wouldn't say what those defensive er errors were, Stephen No of The Athletic like went th back through the game and kind of pulled them together. And basically they looked like Zach Levine not caring about defense. Like there were just there was no hustle. There was no there was like maybe one hand up in front of a guy shooting a three-pointer, but it was just it wasn't great. So last year didn't they Oh wait, no, that might be that might have been Minnesota. Who was going to have the? That was Minnesota that was going to have the players' committee, right? To oh no, the Bulls were going to have a whole players' committee. It oh, was okay. going to be a whole thing because very early in like day three of Jim Boylan's tenure after Fred Hoiberg got got fired, the Bulls had a terrible loss, but it was an away, it was a, a lot away, I believe, at Boston, if I remember correctly, and then they were going to come back and then have a, it was a Saturday night loss. 
And then they were had a game on Monday and Boylan scheduled a practice. And the players were all like, excuse me. And so that's what brought around this whole players committee thing. But I, I don't think it exists anymore. And like Zach Levine didn't know why he got pulled, which what's the point of pulling somebody if you're not going to explain to them why and help them get better at it. And I mean, I, I, there's just so much wrong and no clear map of how they're going to get better. Is there anyone in the locker room who is acting like a leader for the players? Or who would you say is most likely to, you know, if they were was going to pull everybody together? I think it would most likely be Otto Porter Jr. Um, even though he's fairly new to the team because he just came in to with the Bobby Portis trade that happened in February. I think he is the one who's looked at as the respected veteran. And then also Thaddeus Young, who just joined the Bulls this season. Um, however, the the problem is, is like, it's just such a young team. They're just, they're just really, really young. And like Otto Porter Jr. is injured right now. So he's spending more time rehabbing than worrying about the team that's on the bench. So there's not, there's not a ton of veteran presence. Like last season, Robin Lopez could at least be, both comic relief and also, hey guys, let's get your get our heads together. But this season, there's just there's not as much of that. Well, so obviously, if they were talking about making the playoffs at the beginning, there was you know a lot of hopes, and they must have have they must have some strengths. So tell us about what are the strengths of the team right now. So there are some players that when they play well you can't take your eyes off of them and they're so they're so exciting so like Kobe White even though he's coming off the bench the he was the Bulls first round draft pick uh they picked him seventh coming out of North Carolina he is just so thrilling to watch when he gets on fire and like in the game against the Knicks he had I believe it was six three-pointers in a row um and he's just so fun and he also you just want to watch him play basketball because he like literally plays with a smile on his face. He loves playing basketball. So like you want to watch him play basketball, you know, uh, Daniel Gafford too is the other rookie that has, that is just bringing some joy to the court. Lowry Markinen, when he, when he is on and when he is not trying to be a three point shooter in is actually getting into the paint, he can do some great things. Same thing with Zach Levine. Um, Chris Dunn has kind of emerged as a, as like a the guy who wants to make the rest of his team better, which of course a point guard should always be, but he hasn't quite been there, been that guy yet. Um, so like there are guys who can be super exciting. And the crazy thing is, is when the Bulls play Portland, they might be a really great team and everybody's going to be like, but wait, where, where's that team Maggie was talking about? But that's the thing. They're just so inconsistent. So you might see some really great play or you may want to like turn off your TV after the first quarter. <laughs> well, so the Blazers have had a lot of different starting lineups this season, uh, you know, trying to figure out how to work in some notable new players as well as just trying to cover for injuries. What is what's the starting lineup for Chicago is and is it has it been pretty established the whole season so far? Yeah, I mean it's it's been it's pretty been pretty consistent even with um when players like Kobe White or Daniel Gafford or Chris Dunn are having a great game, they're all coming off the bench and so no, none of them have been moved into the starting lineup. It's it's been pretty um 
clear around Lowry Markin and Zach Levine, Wendell Carter Jr., who is another one that when he gets on fire, he's so much fun to watch. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky, and I'm clearly forgetting one because <laughs> I named four guys. It's early. Uh, yes. Uh, so... So, like, that lineup has been pretty steady, even as other guys have emerged. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about more about some of the players or maybe some storylines that are kind of hot in Chicago that we might not know about right now. I mean, everything right now is about, is Jim Boylan in over his head? And my answer to that question is yes. Um, there's just a lot of excitement around the rookies. Um, and then, I mean, the underlying issue that it's has just it's been the storyline in Chicago for years now is that John Paxson and Gar Foreman are completely just like they have never modernized the with, along with basketball they have not stayed up with it so the Bulls haven't ever like tried to revolutionize themselves like say the Golden State Warriors have and tried to keep up with where the game is going um and yet, like John Paxson's, I think the most tenured GM in the game. So it's it's like the the long going sto- long storyline in Chicago is why does John Paxson have a job? Mm. And none of us really know the answer to that question. Uh, you start off by talking about Jim Boylan. So is it? Would you say he's in the hot seat right now? I think he should be in the hot seat, but. The there's such like a reticence to fire people until it is completely the wrong time to fire people by the Bulls. And it like it's the same uh, ownership that also owns the Chicago White Sox. And like that is that's just an ongoing thing with Reinsdorf's teams is that they once you're in with them, you are in with them and you you get a, a lot of rope. You don't, you know, you can make mistakes and things like that. But that also means that you're just not firing people who clearly are not the right people for the job. So in Portland, the fans, we have, the Blazers have one championship to hang our their hats on. Uh, Bulls have several more. <laughs> When it comes to fans and expectations, like how does that work in a big city with lots of sports teams? You know, do they do they hold the the front office to the fire? It sounds like like maybe there there's other teams that people can watch, and so you know they're not worried about the Bulls right now. Like how does that work? We only have we have the Trailblazers, we have the Timbers and the Thorns. Pretty much, that's what you know so that we can focus a lot of attention on just those teams. What's it like in a, in a big city and, you know, are the bulls just kind of like skating under the radar right now? Or like, how do they let this happen? Well, that, I mean, that's interesting because I never really think about it because I've grown up here. So I've, I've just always had a ton of teams to worry about. Um, so it's just interesting to think about that different kind of dynamic. Um, as of right now, everybody's really mad about the bears being bad because bears had high expectations going in. So, Right now, everybody's noticing and, and caring about the Bulls stinking, but it's not nearly as much anger and hatred as is headed towards the Chicago Bears. Um, and But once the Bears season is over, which is going to be sooner than anybody expected, the anger and hatred will become a lot hotter for the Bulls if they don't get it together. 
And their other kind of interesting problem with it, this is they share the United Center with the NHL team, the Chicago Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks have been playing really well and they weren't expected to play well. Mm-hmm. So like if they don't, if the Bulls don't do something to make sure they hold on to that spotlight, it's going to go to the Blackhawks really quickly. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I grew up in Portland, so I'm used to only having a very small, so I'm always really curious about in other fan bases, how they distribute <laughs> their, their fandom among uh, many professional teams. Okay. One last question about the Bulls. What are you going to be watching for in these games that are coming up with Portland? I really, I just want to keep seeing Kobe White and Daniel Gafford get chances and get chances to grow. Um, I, I have never really bought that the idea that they were a playoff team, no matter what the Bulls management told us. So I just kind of want to see the exciting basketball that can happen when these two are allowed on the court. And is this team, um, the way they are coached, are you expecting to see you know, changes in style or approach uh, from game one to game two, or are they pretty much just trying to figure out who they are? Yeah, they're just trying to figure out who they are. And, and like they, especially on defense, like they, they seem to have an idea of what they want to do on offense, but on defense, like they just sometimes are completely lost. And so that, I mean, maybe game two, they'll have a little bit better idea of what they're dealing with with the uh, Blazers, but I don't think it's going to be that much of a change. Mm-hmm. Any other stories or players that you want to say anything about before we finish up? Um, nobody I can think of. They're, like this, this team is very likable. Like There's a lot of very likable players, and I just really wish they could get it together to figure out how to take that likability and make it into, you know, winning because that would sure be fun. Yeah, I can relate to that statement. (laughs) Well, thank you, Maggie, so much for joining me today. That was fun to learn more about the team. Would you like to tell people how they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Maggie Hendricks. It's all just together. And you can find me on 670 The Score in the radio station. And during WNBA season, you can find me on The Athletic. Right on. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks.